Hello you and welcome. Sal here from Cinema on the Stairs. Fuck me, that was a shitty year, wasn't it? But we're back, goddammit. Hope you're keeping well. And may I just add you're looking amazing. You've actually lost weight. Good for you. Myself and the rest of the Cuts crew are itching to get back and open the doors to our pop-up cinema here in Oxford, the now legendary Cinema on the Stairs. We're still in lockdown, but now certain restrictions have been needed, and that is why we are here in your ear holes. We did plan on doing some Zoom episodes with the whole crew, but there's nothing like catching that magic you get when you're all together in Waz's magical shed. So as we are now able to meet up with one other person outdoors, we're going to bring you a series of one-to-one episodes where we retro review early movies we screened at Cinema Says at a time before we started our regular monthly podcast in which we discussed the movie we've shown that month. And boy, do we have some absolute classics to talk about. But before we get underway, I have two major news bombs to drop on your ass. Firstly, we have a new member within the Cuts crew. We thought, you know, we needed to inject some fresh new life into our cinema, something to reflect the ever-changing, diverse, youthful audience which comes through our doors every month. So we've selected a white, middle-aged, heterosexual male with the exotic name, now, I hope I don't butcher this, Steve, who you'll get to know on today's episode. Secondly, we approached Oxford's very own music producer sensation, Tiger Mendoza, after hearing one of his banging tracks, Jar L Beat. We just had to have it for our podcast. And it's got these John Carpenter feels and I hope you love it as much as we do. Please do check him out on tigermendoza.bandcamp.com. Okay, let's kick it off, shall we? Damn, it's good to be back. Welcome to our cinema under the stairs. Cuts member, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, why, you know, what are you gonna? Sorry, I'm chucking you straight into the deep end. Go on. What are you gonna bring to cuts? Why the fuck did we did we bring you in? What's well, so special about you, Steve? Well, I was, I, I mean, <laughs> I would like it. I, 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 I'd like to make it clear that I didn't invite myself into it. I was basically Shanghai. You, you kind of like groomed us a bit, though, right? You were like so. sticking around quite a bit, getting us lots of pints, and we we're like, "Fuck, this that, guy's buying us pints." Is that how it came across? Yeah, like yeah. I was, I was sort of like like weaseling my way in. And were you yeah. already introducing to a WhatsApp thread? Yeah, were you already in there? Yeah, yeah. Where did you go? You in? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, let's kick off this one-to-one lockdown special review. And it's a film, well, it's my third uh, film I chose for Cinema Under the Stairs, and it went down a treat. It's Paul Verhoeven's 1987 sci-fi action flick, drenched in sophisticated satire. It's Robocop. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... 
Robocop. Come on, come on, come on, come on. That's for you. That's for you. Go, Robo. So we're going to delve deep into this fantastic film. Um, Steve, your earliest memories of Robocop. Uh, my stepdad took me to see it really? in the cinema in Newbury, yeah. Wait a so, minute, it came out... Oh, you're, you're a little bit older than me, right? So it bit. came out in 88 yeah, in about, the UK. Yeah, I was, I was 16. Okay, cool. And you were legal. I don't know, I'm not sure if it was or not, but it never really mattered back then. Nobody no. cared. Well, it was, yeah. My stepdad... Like, I've been to see a bunch of like, 18 films with my stepdad, and he just kind of growled at the person behind the counter, and they let me in, and it wasn't It wasn't like, like it should be, mm. like it is now. Um, and I think uh, we probably saw it like uh, maybe like the Barry Norman show or something like that. You know, one of those like TV reviews. Yeah, love that. And I think me and my stepdad were both like, "That looks fucking awesome!" Uh, you know, and immediately kind of. So your uh, dad was a, your stepdad was a cool geeky uh, film follower then. Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't call him geeky exactly, but I mean, I definitely get my geek from him. Mm. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, he was just into like kick-ass action movies. He was yeah. after all that Arnie stuff. He was a big Bruce Lee fan and sort of introduced me to a lot of that stuff. Uh, and um, anything that had even a whiff of 2000 AD about it back then, and I was I was totally into it. So this was just like, you know, that's that's our film. We're definitely going to get and see it. Mm. And yeah, we went to see it in the cinema in Newbury. Um, just both absolutely roared all the way through it. Loved it. Amazing. Amazing film. Loved it. Uh, yeah, my earliest memories, um, I was... Too young at the time, it's probably about 11 um, when it actually came out. Uh, so I had to wait until it reached uh, the video rental um, stage, which is quite a few couple of years after that, I would say, when it, in, in, in those days. Um, but uh, one of my earliest memories of the video rental store was always being frustrated to not being able to get Robocop out because it was always out. You know, they had about five copies and they were always gone. And yeah. my local rental shop, you couldn't, you know, book them. You couldn't <clears> reserve them. You just had to, you know, first come, first served. And, uh, yeah, it was an absolute arse. It was just going out and out and out um, just to show how, what a following this film had. But eventually I did get it. And, yeah, like yourself, fell in love with it straight away. Um, all right, this is my early teens now. I didn't really... Uh, uh, get the you know I wasn't really into the, the satire at that stage it was all the surface level action um, design gore splatter fest which just hooked me and I was just in absolute awe uh, with, with, with the gore and the violence you know um, this is a you know I'm, I'm using my bendy fingers here it's a mainstream film but it kind of brought these like trauma movie tropes this art house kind of like rough B-movie-esque uh uh, effects and and gore, which just blew me away. I was absolutely fascinated. I was a big fan of horror then and with with Elm Street and stuff. But when I saw Robocop, yeah, yeah. loved it, hooked me. I think uh, I mean it's that boardroom scene, isn't it? I think like that's like straight. I mean, like the film comes out of the gate a bit weird, a little bit twisted with those like weird news clips and that world that's a bit wrong. You know, like this is our world, but it's a bit different. Something's gone wrong. Those news clips are great, but it's a, it's a great narration tool that yeah. Verhoeven used. You know, yeah, and. Yeah. And just and and spattered them around just to world build basically, yeah, totally. and, and it completely yeah. put you straight in. I thought it's very clever. It does a really great job of that. And actually, you know, you, you know, the, it's it's got really quite a sort of subtle beginning in a strange kind of way, in that, but it'll, albeit twisted. You know, it doesn't it doesn't sort of like start with shooting at all. Um, but then that boardroom scene, the Ed two hundred nine scene, I think that's where, you know, 
I may, maybe it's not the first time, but it was. It's it's hard to remember now just how sort of shocking that was, and how shocking it was that that was played for laughs as well. Because mm. that you know, because it is funny. But I, you know, I, I I do have um I do have this sort of like distinct memory of the kind of gasp, and the sort of burst of laughter that sort of relief yeah. after that scene. Yeah, yeah. And then and then it all sort of ends up with that line somebody saying somebody get a goddamn paramedic yeah like he's like he's gonna survive that look before we run away with the movie i yeah. think do you want to just do a, a quick synopsis well you know i'm sure everyone that's listening to this has already seen robocop they don't need this yeah. if you haven't seen robocop what the fuck are you doing listening to the cuts podcast yeah. um all i'll say is you know it's directed by paul verhoeven um you know he's done films like total recall showgirls starship troopers hollow man basic instincts uh, written by edward uh Neumeyer. Michael Miner, um, and it came out in 87. Uh, UK came out February 88. Mm. But, um, Steve, can you please give us a little synopsis okay. of what the film's about? <clears throat> so, I've written this down, which is why it will sound like I'm reading this. Beautiful. Okay. So, Alex Murphy, a veteran cop newly transferred to the bankrupt and crime-plagued city of Detroit, is terminally wounded on his first day on the streets. Omni Consumer Products, a mega corporation that runs the demoralised and overwhelmed Detroit Metropolitan Police Department, uses what remains of his mind and body to drive a cyborg that they've designed and programmed to be the ultimate cop. As Murphy pieces his identity back together, he tracks down the gang that killed him and follows the trail to the corrupt leadership of OCP and a criminal conspiracy before executing quite a lot of 9mm justice. Love it, love it. Um... Okay, what what makes this film? You know, what are the, what are the ingredients that that makes this film uh, a, a special one in your collection, Steve? What is it? Why is RoboCop stuck with you, as of myself? I think the I I think it's the uh, it's the way that the um, the violence and the humour play off against each other, mm. and and it isn't and it isn't. It is really deft. I mean, it's actually like, it's such a well put together film. It's a it's a great action movie. It rattles along at a really good pace, but without leaving any characterization or any sort of world building behind at all, it brings all of that along with it. But it just does it with such great economy and yes. flair. Like you say, like like we were just talking about the newsreels at the start. You know, it's such a <clears throat> it it it's it, it so eloquently talks about the world that that's that that stuff's come out of, like the family playing the Nukem board game. Yeah. You know, it's it, and it's a type of humour. I'm sure we'll talk about 2000 AD several times over the course of this because you know the connection that the film's got to mm-hmm. that uh, comic and also my own connection to it. But that's exactly the kind of humour that you see a lot of in Mega City One. You know that type of yeah, for that, sure. That, that sort of uh, the, you know the sort of mad news reading and just people doing very much so strange and insane things. But. Um, you know, like I, I was looking, I was I watched it again last night, and I was looking at the way that they shoot the, <clears throat> like Murphy's death sequence, where God. there's a sort of a similarity between between that scene and the boardroom scene, mm-hmm. where Kinney gets blown up by the Ed two hundred nine, and yet one of them is like horrible and hard to watch and and painful and agonising, <laughs> and then the other one is just a gag. It's just like a gross yeah. gag, and it's but it's you know there's a lot of similarity in the in the way those two scenes sort of. The action of those two scenes play out, but the the framing of it, the setup, and the people involved in it, yeah, change the meaning of it. And that, that's kind of um, you know, I think it was real art in the way that uh, those 
uh, those types of scenes put together. Yeah, I, I like to bring out the fact again what you mentioned. It, it, it's so well made. It's, it's such a a well constructed film. As you said, it was you know it used its time economically wise, and and mm. you know it, this is back in the day in the eighties. You know, films were one hour one hour and a half long. You know, not like the movies you get now. You know, if, I'm, I'm not sure how the how the remake went along, but um. You know, we only had, I don't know, 20 minutes of Murphy before he becomes a mm. cyborg. Mm. And it just it just goes running, you know. And mm. um, it, there's such a skill to that, to make us care about the character and to have all these little um, storylines combined. I, I think, yeah, um, Paul Hoven did a peach of a job here um, constructing it all together. And, and going back to those those uh, reportage uh, clips, that is a great tool. Just keep the, the story r running and know exactly where we are in regards to the world building and Detroit. Mm. Um, so Detroit, uh, again, you know, this is film, you know, this is an 80s film, um, Detroit, the automobile city. Uh, at the time, you know, this is, we're talking about Reagan era as well, where, mm. uh, you know, America's known for their big, brash, uh, constructions, the cars, the Fords, um, the Ed 209 is, is kind of a symbol of that. Yeah. Um, but also, it, it's, uh, you know, we've got the influence of, of Japanese automobiles coming in, like Toyota and what have you. And, 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 and even at the, at the time, Detroit um, wasn't bankrupt as, as it is now, actually. It's yeah, declared yeah. a bankrupt city. Yeah. But Paul, Paul Verhoeven had these, like, almost these, a lot of these prophecies coming, coming to light. You know, we're in 2021 now and a lot of it we can actually kind of understand and see coming if not if it's not already here in regards to big ceo uh the decay of um certain urban dwellings um and the rejuvenation um in regards to delta city what have you yeah, um yeah. Uh, ocp <clears throat> the omni was it consumer omni consumer products product you know yeah. uh this mega corporation that's got its fingers in so many things. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you could probably imagine Amazon going that way eventually at some point. If, if it um, hasn't already. If it hasn't already. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think Paul, um, you know, look at what year was it supposed to be set in 2024? I think he's like 20, I'm not sure, 27, 26, 26 yeah. something like that. Uh, so we're not far off really. So there were, you know, there's quite a few things. Anyway, we haven't got robot um, cops out on the street yet. But uh, he does. There, there are a few little tropes yeah, but, there. But the rest of the police force, you know, like the body armor, the helmets, mm. you know, the shields, the shotguns. Oh God! You know that. That again, we're, we're like, getting the, the militarization of the, of the yeah, police force. Yeah, totally. And and it, again, it's difficult to remember. But back at the time, that seemed dark mm -hmm. and dark and futuristic. Mm -hmm. uh, and and now it just looks like yeah. That's what you know, you look at, like. exactly. You look yeah. at the protests and all but, that happening. There's so much of what you go back and look at that film now, and you sort of think that this isn't. You know, this is this is um, it's how it turned out in lots and lots of different ways, and uh, you know, all right. So I mean, it's got that, you know, the yuppie thing, God. sort of the the, the the Reagan era yuppie, yeah, uh, like taken to an extreme and to sort of push to a sort of a comic extreme, yeah. Um, well, it is a comic. You know, would you call it a comic book movie? Would you call it a superhero movie? Is is Robocop a superhero? You know. You always get the the first act where the protagonist gets either you know in regards to superhero movies gets bitten by a radioactive spider or falls into a bat cave or what have you. Yeah. Um, I know in in this regards, uh, Murphy's actually forced to become this this hero, yeah. uh, if you can say. But yeah, he becomes a superhuman product at the end, right? And he's and he's shooting up bad guys. Would you would you say this kind of leans towards a super superhero? 
Well, he's got. I mean, he's got the. Uh, I think he sort of exists in the same place as Judge Dredd. Yes. Like in that sense, like you know, who, who is uh, he does heroic things and he's motivated by sort of saving people, but he does it in a way that we would not consider to be sort of classically yeah. heroic, right? I mean, he kills people. Yeah. Um, and doing it within the confines of the law doesn't necessarily mean that the, the law isn't yeah. it's like a good thing, right? But um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, yeah, he's definitely heroic, uh, like. And, and like Murphy is heroic. Yes. Right? Like he's already a heroic character, and he, and and he's kind of like talking of like the economy in that scene. You go back and in, in the scene, you go back and look at the scene where he's like, um, where Lewis finds him sort of twirling his mm -hmm. gun, and he talks about his kid watching yeah. this TJ, TJ laser. laser. Look at how much work that scene does. Like first of all, you've got the the visual clue of the gun twirl that first sort of. Which like, later on like Lewis spots yes. and, and recognises Murphy because of that. Um, but also it tells you an awful lot about him as being this kind of like like old school, he sees himself as this kind of old school classic yeah. cowboy-like yeah, hero. for like. sure. Um, so I think, yeah, he is, he is a sort of a heroic individual um, who is then sort of granted these sort of cursed superpowers of being in this cyborg body, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, ultimately, he does good, doesn't he? He does. You mentioned um, 2000 AD and, and Judge Dredd. Did you know that? We'll, we'll get into. Well, I'm going straight into the effects. So this is another. You know, this is another uh, piece of why this movie means so much to me. The design, the the, the design of Robocop itself. It's one of the best designs ever in any medium. He just, he looks fucking awesome. It's designed by the legendary Rob Bottin. Mm -hmm. who uh, did all the special effects for John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Um, listeners, if you don't know about Robotine, I, I implore you to, to read up on the guy. The guy's fascinating. Um, there's a great uh, making of The Thing on uh, YouTube you can catch. But also, if you haven't already, please do listen to um, the one-to-one -one review I've done with Simon Rance, which we talked about, The, the Thing. And there's a big chunk of it on, on Robotine and, and all the... The perils and the solutions and and the, the the genius thinking he had to go through to to create this, to pull off certain effects. Um, I do know for oh yeah. So 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 before going off on one on boating too much, his initial designs looked very similar to Judge Dredd. Did you did you catch any of those? Yeah, I've seen I've seen some sort of casts. Of yeah, like like, like spot casts. on. You know, it completely ripped off the whole helmet, yeah. everything apart from the the, the chest. But the helmet was completely for Mega City One. Well, they're, they're I mean they're openly inspired by it. Clearly, yeah. you know I mean you know there's nothing there's nothing sort of secret about that. They were, mm. uh, one interesting detail I sort of found out when I was reading up about this was um, like initially Verhoeven sort of turned the movie down on the first script. That's right. Like he saw it and was just like, I speak well, he read like a, a a part a part of I think he read yeah, like twenty yeah. pages and then his wife convinced him to. Yeah, uh, that's right. He initially sort of dismissed it. But when he was trying to sort of understand how to get to the sort of soul of the movie, um, Neumeyer and um, uh, Minor, Minor, uh, Minor, I, I suppose, uh, yeah, the the writers mm -hmm. gave him copies of Two Thousand AD. Oh, to, I didn't know to, that. To clue him into the the pitch. Oh, the fantastic! Of it. And I mean, that you don't have to. I, I mean, you know, I've been reading Two Thousand AD since I was very young, and so to me, that stuff was just blatant it was obvious mm. it was clearly written the film's obviously written by fans of the comic mm. um and but i don't think verhoeven was but he no. sort of he got he got kind of sort of drawn into that and once he understood that he could make it a kind of a satire with a political statement and in and a human story yeah that was, that was very important for him because he hasn't yeah. done sci-fi before this no. film 
And I think, and I do think that's what's unique about it, because it could easily have just been a throwaway, uh, you know, RoboCop film. Right? Mm. So there's a bunch of those types of films, right? Guy in suit shoots baddies, and and for to a certain extent, for me as a kid at the time, that would have done. Um, <laughs> and for my stepdad, that would have done as well. You know, that's the kind of movie mm. that we're into. But but it's endured, and I can and I can still watch it today, and enjoy it just as much, maybe on slightly different levels now. Because of the depth that Verhoeven put into that, and For I do, sure. and, I, and I think you've, you know, can't take all the credit, but uh, but I do think 2000 AD has got to get a lot of credit. Exactly, there's lots of fingerprints from 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 2000 AD. Um, going back to the, the early pitching stage, the early production stage, um, Hollywood didn't want to touch this film. You know, the writers had it all done; uh, they were pushing it around. I think Orion eventually said, "Okay, we'll, we'll take it," but they couldn't find a director. All the American directors were like, now, are you having a laugh? Robocop. It's fucking cheesy as fuck, you know. Um, amazing that he still kept it, but yeah, Robocop, come on. Um, it does It does what it says on the tin. Yeah. Maybe that's why it works so well, but you can understand why all these directors, like, are, are you, you know, I'm not I'm not going anywhere near that with a barge pole. Um, yeah. it's, and sort then, of, it's like a working title, isn't it, that's stuck? Robocop. But, but, I mean, it's hard to imagine it. Well, I mean, titles always do this. It's hard to imagine it, anything else, but... But it has got one of the all-time great taglines like that. We're looking at the video box here. Part man, part machine, all cop. Mm. I mean, it's just... That's, that's beautiful. Cool. And what a great poster. Post. I've actually ordered the poster and I've just fallen in love with it from all over again whilst um, uh, researching for this podcast. And but, yeah, that, that image of him, you know, stepping out of, uh, of his car is yeah. fucking... Beautiful, all, absolutely like, love it. Iconic, like, like you were saying before, it's the design, like it hasn't aged, dude. There, there's so much goodness in this design, like the, the helmet alone, yeah. you know. Of course, it harks to Batman with the visor and, and the mouth um, being revealed, and Iron Man. But what it is, it's you know, it has no nose guard, it's completely the, the, the profile is so streamlined, surely, you know. Um, well, his head's in there. His nose is completely is yeah, crushed, yeah. but um, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Um, and everything, you know. And then they started putting all the little trinkets with the gun coming out of the thigh, yeah. the uh, the data spike he's got yeah. coming out of his fist. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic. I, I do know that it was an absolute nightmare, um, production-wise. The whole movie, really. It, it, yeah. They said it was it was like a, a grueling war, um, mm. going through it. But especially the the design production with uh, Botin, he was coming, you know, we did mention he had designs that, that harks back to, to Judge Dredd, and he, he, he did so many designs, um, and Paul Verhoeven was so into these uh, Japanese manga comics, mm. and had these imagery of, um, of these mega robots, yeah. and kept on asking for the most, you know, ridiculous, over-the-top uh, profiles of, of robots and what have you, and, and just, it, just, it just couldn't work, and to the point where Robotine just wouldn't turn up anymore. You know, eventually they, they stuck with the design they got, which is, you know, fantastic in my eyes. Um, but yeah, it soured the relationship between director and production designer uh, to the point where he wouldn't turn up. He would just have his um, colleagues there helping do all the finishing touches and, and helping um, mount the, the stuff on... Uh, on Peter Weller, but um, yeah. yeah, it's a shame. But I mean, at least that you know, it's, they they got it right in the end, didn't they? Between, they did. Uh, eventually, getting like, it sounds like Verhoeven went off on one a bit and then came back to Botin's original sort of point of view in terms of the design. Yeah, well, you know, as I always say, designers always right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but that's another, you know, 
important piece of this movie. Okay, you've got the, the satire, the comedy, the violence, the, the balance of it all. Mm. If he looks shit, it wouldn't work. You know, I'm sorry, but that, that, even that, how superficial that sounds, the design is, 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 is so alluring. Um, it works. Uh, the sound as well, the sound design, you know, how he moves. When you hear yeah. the, the hydraulic pumps going, the, the base of his feet hitting the floor, yeah. the way he swivels his torso and you've got that... All of that was just was was magnetism to me. I I absolutely adored it. Um, let's go. To, let's get to this. Okay, we're at the Murphy stage. Murphy gets crucified. Basically, you know, Paul Verhoeven has a fascination yes. with the Jesus story. It's American Jesus. This is American Jesus, right? Yeah. So he the, the resurrection comes afterwards with with the the birth of Robocop. Yeah. But he goes through a gruesome crucifixion. Yeah. Um, with uh via the hands of um the the gang leader Clarence Bond. Clarence yes uh Kurt who, who, Smith who's playing against type who yeah he's got he's got a cunty face and mm. you know because he was a, he was the asshole dad in um dead poets yeah yeah he was the dad that was keep on pushing the uh the student to to do this and the other, not, not go and do that. So didn't apparently he thought he was he thought he was he'd been cast as somebody else in the film. Really? Like, like <laughs> I think I think he thought he was going to be um, Dick Jones. Okay. Uh, and then he sort of turned up and they went, "No, you're you're going to be wow." Yeah. Like Verhoeven decided he looked a bit like Heinrich Himmler, so he cast him as uh, as the baddie. Fantastic! What an asshole! And um, I was absolutely terrified of him when I was a kid. Of, he's one of cinema's greatest baddies. Isn't Can he? you fly, my boy? Love it. <laughs> Love it. Guns, guns, guns. He's got so many cool lines. Yeah, yeah. Just get me my fucking phone. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he completely tortures Murphy. Um, yeah, yeah. Before that as well, you know, uh, the, the, the scene where um, Lewis gets caught, right? There's one of the gang's gang yeah. members having a piss. Yeah. And he says, can I zip this up? And I know that's typical of a Hogan. He always introduces sleaze into the movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, so she looks at his cock and that's it. And that's yeah. when the downfall happens. Because again, like the comic timing of that scene is brilliant. Because mm. there's a pause. There's a long pause. Right? Yeah. Long enough. For yeah, you yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look. It's a trap. Like that. And, and, she and, and then you see the eyes flick down and it's like. Bang. Yeah. Don't look at the cock. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at the cock. That's just generally. That's the message of the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, Paul Murphy, absolutely terrible. I remember watching this as a kid and it just, it really did hit me hard. The way he was tortured and slowly, you know, he was yeah. in a crucifixion pose as well. The nailing of the hands, in, but in this, in yeah, this yeah, essence, yeah. The, the blowing off of the hands. Yeah. Um, that was sick. I couldn't believe it. Well, I, I remember back in the day, you know, you see someone get shot, they get shot and yeah. you just see the aftermath. But... Paul Verhoeven keeps the camera on and yeah. you see it all happen. You see the hand explode and wow. I think, and also like, you know, again, he's, he's talked about that because, you know, he says, says how much he likes violence in films, Verhoeven, clearly, like, you can see it. But um, he talks about the way that that uh, doesn't diminish the violence. Like, you, may, you know, he makes you, he makes you see it, like to, to understand the importance of it. Not, not for its... Not for its kind of pornographic value, but because actually in that context, you're you're, re you're feeling the guy's pain. Of course, pain, you need you? to and know what he went through. You need to understand the pain. And if it had been cleaner than that, that hatred that he wakes up with, because this is a film basically about a guy investigating his own murder, isn't it? Yeah. It's a revenge movie. Really. Yes, very much so. Um, and that hatred that he wakes up with, like everything that... Uh, that uh, Bodica takes away from Murphy in that moment, um, you've got to feel that, 
like you know if if he if he flinched you know if he if he was more uh, demure about the way he sort of showed that violence. No man, it yeah, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. You, you're you, so you're... with Murphy, so with Robocop mm. afterwards. You so want to you know hunt every last one of those motherfuckers down. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Mm. Okay, so he gets um, blown to shit somehow. Mm. He gets shot in the head as well with, with a, a shotgun. With a, with a pump rifle or something. A, I think it's a Desert Eagle. He gets shot in the head with a 50, 50 caliber bullet. But he's alive, right? So he's still alive. Just about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just alive. So yeah. uh, the paramedics, who were a real paramedic team, by the way, All right. they've got a real paramedic team because they said, okay, sh show us what you'll do if yeah. you found this fucker on okay. the floor. And that was all, you know, that was all the real deal. Um, and then they wheeled the, the poor motherfucker to OCP yeah. And they do a good job over him. I found this just as horrific, actually, yeah. as the torture scene, what they were doing with him, you know, the, the, the ownership of his body, um, you know, which corporations, you know, do. Really. This is this is where they really does put the magnifying glass on a satirical look on, on big corporation and society. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, shall we... His, his left arm's still functioning. We can, no, fucking give it a left arm. Um, sign the forms. We can do what we want with him. Love it. Um, yeah, that, that was just horrifying. The whole Frankenstein scene... You know, building them up. That's got that, uh, you know, that nightmare that we've all had if you've ever had the misfortune to have to go into hospital and, mm -hmm. you know, get a general anaesthetic. Mm -hmm. That nightmare of being conscious through that yeah, 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 procedure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very uh, much so, yeah. And you're conscious with him. You're seeing this yeah, all happen. Yeah. But what an amazing scene this is. What yeah. This is one of the most powerful scenes that Paul Verhoeven did in this movie that really just like fucking how this guy's ace. Um, you know, the whole changing the widescreen, the aspect of the, of the camera... Um, the the New Year's Eve party where yeah. you know his head's really low. Is he is he got a head on wheels? How's that yeah. happen? I don't know how that could happen. You know, he needs yeah. his, tor his torso still intact, right? They've got his torso, right? I think yeah, the legs but, are gone, the arms are gone. Well, his arms off. His, his arms definitely off at one point. Cause, yeah, because uh, um, what's his Bob? Bob uh, I was going to say Bob Mortimer. What's the guy called? Uh, oh, Bob Morton. Bob Morton. Yeah, Bob Morton. So, so yeah, so so Bob That's Morton, the, the young OCP exec, you know, the young buck who's uh, yeah. who's got this uh, this leverage over Dick Jones now um, yeah. to, to produce this uh, this machine. As you know, the failure of Ed Two Hundred Nine happened. He's got the Robocop project up and going. But going back to that um, build scene, it, it's that whole reveal which I love. It's the um, you know that. They had the plastic sheet over him. You're always the POV of, of Robocop. They pull it off. You know, the guy's I, I fucking love this guy. They, he starts yeah, clapping. Yeah. Go, go get him. Go. That, you know, he was just talking to the, talking to Robocop's face and say, go get him, boy. Go and off you go. Yeah. It gave me chills. I don't know why. At this point, you're actually with Bob, which is kind of strange. Well, actually, no. It's not strange at that point because you don't know he's, he's such a cunt at that stage until yeah. later on in the film. You know, he's got his own motives of why he wants Robocop made. He actually... He actually um, positioned Murphy in those dark areas of Detroit. He was saying he was stationed there. Yeah. Um, placed placed in order for something like that to happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah. they just, they were waiting for a dead cop to come in. Yeah, exactly. um, but yeah, so it was that, that amazing reveal, the great cinematography of where he gets up, you know, they, they, they pulled the plastic sheet off him. All you hear is is the the hydraulics going, the whizzing of machinery, the, the base of the feet, and yeah. then you get a little glimpse of him on the monitor. Yeah. Um, which I thought was just beautiful. Just yeah. this little glimpse, you get a side profile and you're already like, oh, I want to see him, I want to see him. Yeah. And then sure enough, he reveals and he's fucking badass. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that and it's, scene. And that's, that's so important because like, and that's where again, like, Botin's work oh. makes that scene. Because if that was, a, if that was funny, 
Mm. Oh, no, feel, no, you're right, you're right. That was funny, that, the whole film falls You're off. absolutely but right. But you're like, shit. You're absolutely right, because, because you know, you, got, you had a Ned 209 before this. Yeah, you yeah. had a bit of stop motion, you know, yeah. and it was it was a funny scene. Yeah. But this, I'm yeah. sure everyone in the cinema when you were with your stepdad were oh, completely like, silent. You know, yeah, it's just, just like, oh, that's good. You know, oh, yeah, God. It's, it's, it's excitement. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's kind of... Oh, like, what a film. Um, so, yeah, he's up and running. He's purely Robocop at this stage. There's no Murphy in him, okay? He hasn't, yeah. you know, he, he's, complete, he's completely... He's got his directives, his three prime directives. Do, do, do you know the directives by heart, Steve? Secure, well, is it Protect the Innocent? Uh, yeah. Uh, something the public trust. Uphold the law. Uphold the law. And uh, something protect the public trust. Or yes. Plus the mystery fourth directive that we find out. Exactly. Later. The classified fourth directive, which you yeah, do yeah. see it's there, but they, they blank it out. It's like you can't get to this. You're not ready. Yeah. You know, you haven't reached this this end of level boss. Great, great bit of storytelling yeah. as well. Like there's the knife on the table later on, isn't it? You know, it's that sort of... It's, yeah, it's, it's a little Easter egg there. You know, it's not in your face, but it's yeah. there. There is a, there's yeah, a fourth yeah. directive, which you, which you ultimately find out. Mm. You can't kill or apprehend any OCP employee, right? Yeah, but also again, you know, looking looking slightly deeper as well, what that does is, right, there's something in your head that you don't have access to. Mm. Like, this is you. This is an important thing about yeah. you, fundamental to who you are. But we're not going to tell you what it is because we control. Well, you, this right? is it. This You're is big court. It's all about big corporation yeah. controlling you, controlling the human being. Yeah. Um, uh, love it. So he's he's out and. He he finds one of the the gang members straight away, right? He he apprehends um, Emil was the first Emil, one. right? Yeah, who 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 has a grisly end at the end of the film. Yeah. Well, isn't it, where's the where does this fit with the scene? Because there's a sequence of him basically being a badass, right? Well, yeah. So so first of all, you got the guy who's he's robbing a liquor store, who who yeah. goes in there yeah. and then Robocop just fucking pummels him. With that, with that, <laughs> the grease gun, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he just yeah punches him through the first. Yeah, he's completely exactly. brutally violent, and yeah. and that's why apparently the public love him after this because yeah. like, hey, yes, he's fucking getting me into scum. He's yeah. he's going by the law, but he's a fucking nasty piece of work. Yeah, yeah, and and the, the, then there's the uh, the um, the mayoral candidate who's just lost an election. Mm -hmm. like, turns out to be Donald Trump, right? Yeah, he's basically saying like, I want a recount, and whatever the result yeah. is, I want my old job back. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and um, and he goes up and smashes through the wall and drags him out. Love it. Punches him out of a window. And we all love it. And we all love it. You yeah. know, we're not saying, oh, it's a bit harsh. We're like, yeah. fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. That was great. Um, and then eventually he does bump into a meal and he says, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Again, yeah. with that lovely, slightly vocoder kind of effect they put on Weller's voice. It's a Judge Dredd line. Fuck me, he's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then you just see Emil's face drop and that recognition, the, the, the penny drops. Like, whoa, yeah, whoa, 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 yeah. you're dead. We killed yeah, you. Killed and then all of a yeah, sudden, yeah. he gets a little flashback or a little glitch and he's paused. He's stationary. Mm -hmm. And he's been shot at, bullets bouncing off his uh, Kevlar uh, armour. And... Um, and that's when he starts getting nightmares, right? Yeah, that's right. So then he sort of plugs himself in, doesn't he? And has a, has a dream, and, and he sort of gets up, leaves the leaves the department. Oh man, and that's so great! You get the little shots of his previous life, and 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 you get that piece where his wife is saying, you know, she's like really angry. I'm really cross with you. We need to talk, but I just yeah. leave it at that for this yeah. for at this stage, which I think is very clever, which we get to because he eventually goes to his his home, which, you know, obviously his family's left. They're distraught. He's died. They've moved. Maybe she's gone to move her folks or whatever. Yeah. But they're all gone. And he starts reliving his life through the, through the empty abode. And then you see that scene again with the wife saying, 
ah, oh, I hate you. I'm angry with you. No, we need we need to talk. And then you realise what what is it? I love you. Mm. And then it all just fucking falls apart. You know, yeah. he starts glitching. He starts seeing TJ Laser. His, his son's looking up at him. Can you do that, Dad? I'm getting chills just even talking about this. Yeah. I might even fucking cry. I love this film so much. Well, that, that's the scene that, Verho- that that hooked Verhoeven into the script. And do you know what? Hollywood didn't want it in. Yeah. Well, they yeah. said we don't need this. We just want you know we just yeah. want action, action, action. Fucking typical, eh? Yeah. Fucking typical. We just get to the point. Um, but Verhoeven says no, no. You need this to, to you know. If you if you need to you need to care about this guy so you can care about the chase at the end. Otherwise, it's just loud noises, right? Yeah. And it's such a powerful scene, and you're with him all the way. And afterwards, you're like, "Go fucking get him, Robo. Yeah. Go out there and get those cunts." Yeah. <laughs> love it. <laughs> fucking love this film. Um, go and watch this after this after you listen to this episode. I'm gonna go home and watch it. Again. I'm gonna watch it again. Watch I'm it gonna watch it again. Watch. I'm gonna have a wank, <laughs> uh, and I'll text you straight when I come. Um, so so okay so. He's up and running. Lewis has recognised that this is Murphy because yeah. of his beautiful pout lips and that he swivels a gun, okay? Yeah. Which was kind of convenient because he showed her that on the only day they were together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, hey, fuck it. We've got one hour and a half to get through Absolutely. this. Just Let's like do it. Beautiful piece of economy. Here's it? a lovely little piece, okay? I found out, um, you know, usually in these movies, you've got this cool stud... Uh, lovely lady um, who's actually you know she usually plays like a uh, a mean little bitch in films Nancy like, Allen yeah, um, yeah she was in Carrie right she yeah. was the one that poured the blood all over yeah. Sissy Spacek um, so Paul Verhoeven was like no there's going to be no fucking love romance in this none at all um, yeah. not only because he's a robot hey you know look at WandaVision it kind of works somehow but um, there was this one scene where okay this is the the kind of resurrection scene, right? Where um, Bodica and the gang like spear him or whatever, and he's all fucked. You know, he's at this you know deserted warehouse, yeah. and she brings him over some jars of baby food, yeah. and it kind of it kind of fades out. It's like, hey, go look, I got you this, and all of a, all of a sudden you're thinking, oh look, she's giving him something he needs: yeah. food, life, uh, a purpose. Next scene, he's shooting the baby's face on the jar. Yeah. And that's an absolute. Um, purposely shot uh, scene to say fuck you yeah. no babies are coming out of this I'm yeah. killing babies yeah. and he uses the jars as, as target practice yeah. and I thought that was fucking hilarious yeah. and I love it yeah, yeah totally great stuff um, <laughs> so okay so uh, let's, let's go back to the, the gang then I suppose what a, what a cool gang right they're um, I, I think I'll party with these people they like to party they're, they're kind of I want to go to that nightclub. They're kind of goofy. goofy. They're not. They're not the smartest of, of, of gangs. Um, they 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 like to do a bit of coke. They like to drink. They like to party. Um, they're multi ethnic, which is great, which I love. White, black, Asian. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a good gang to join. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're going places. They are going places. Yeah. Uh, but they're just the same. You know, they're a mirror of what you see at the corporate desk, right? Um, they were all doggy dog. And that's you know. I remember when so so when they're two nine did blow away one of Bob Morton's um, colleagues, you know, one of his best friends, actually. Yeah. It didn't take him long to go and run straight up to Dick Jones and say, hey, I want to pitch my, 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 no, my no, Robocop no, project. Like, like he did the, it right there, right? The N209's guns are still, yeah, smoking, still smoking in the background. And, and it's like, everyone's panicking and running around. That was great. And he's, you know, Love it. He, he's taking that moment to do the pitch. There's a scene as they're going down, he, he leaves with his, with his friend, uh, and he's saying, you know, yes, now that's how it's done in the big leagues, Johnson. You see an opening, you go for it. You better watch your back, Bob. 
Jones is gonna come looking for you. Oh, fuck Jones. He fumbled the ball and I was there to pick it up. Too bad about Kenny, huh? It's life in the big city. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, Bob is the quintessential yuppie, right? You know, we're, we're Reagan era, 80s here. He loves the excessive life. He's got prostitutes, cocaine on the table. Um, he's all about himself, right? How to bet himself, how to walk over anyone to get to what he wants. It's the next best scene in the movie, isn't it? Like, bitches leave. The, the, yeah, the bitches leave scene. Is bitches just... leave is fantastic. It's a great line. Is you know one of cinematic uh, classic lines delivered. The whole thing is brilliant. Like you know, I just love that whole sequence. Yeah, and then Dick Jones just like fuck you, you're dead. Um, yeah, so there's not much difference between uh, uh, Bodica's uh, gang and Dick Jones's um, uh, meeting rooms, basically. Um, yeah. So. Okay, Robocop's avenged all of his, uh, all of the gang members, and now he's off for the big cheese. He's mm. off for Dick Jones. He knows that um, the gangs are working for Dick Jones. Dick Jones is actually employing them to go around Detroit, fuck the place up, and then he. This is a kind of weird bit, right? Um, why would he want to do that, Dick Jones? But I suppose he's got his fingers in lots of pies, and he's still making money out of contracts in regards to rebuilding the city and stuff, and he needs it fucked up. But, you know, what's the what did you get out of that? What's, that that what's connection the, with Dick Jones with um, what's the, the corporate motivation? Yeah. Of that? Well, because so, you know, because his 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 angle was always okay. We need to we need to get rid of the. You know, I'm I'm building it to a nice to get rid of the gangs. Yeah. So we can do up. Well, not Detroit. Not really. He he's he talks about military contracts. Mm. Basically, he's using Detroit, old Detroit, as a testing. As a litmus test, yeah. As, a, as an advert for the Ed Two Hundred Nine security system yeah. that he can then sell. Around the world, yeah, to, like military. So he doesn't really give a shit about the civilians in Detroit. That's the bit that they take up in the in the remake in mm. the in the, in the twenty seventeen mm -hmm. Robocop, um, which is you know not not in the same class of film, but it, it's got it's, it's, yeah. it's worth watching. But you know they're they're they they are much more kind of openly this they start out with the this is a military contract corporate deal like you know we're making these security robots to go and sort out problems around the world and we're using them to be police as well so it's that sort is that that's that was so that's dick jones's plan is that he demonstrates how effective the ed 209 is in using old detroit where he doesn't care what happens mm -hmm. they own the police they, they're it's like a privatized police force so he's essentially going to automate the police and then use that to sell Ed 209s into all the police forces around the country and then presumably around the world for security mm. reasons. So that's his kind of big plan. And then this is all about the and, the, and then the making of like the the build the building of Delta City, mm. which is the sort of you know again that kind of like capitalist sort of like Detroit is a mess. So yeah. we're just going to give up on that and build Delta City yeah. on top of it essentially. Yeah. So that um, uh, an OCP is sort of driving the the uh, the building program of Delta City, which, as he says to Bodica, you know we've got fifty thousand workers coming into this city to build a new place. That's a lot of drugs. That's a lot of women. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. You yeah, could be you in go. charge of all of that, and that's the sort of that's the deal that he does with with Bodica. Um, but it's essentially it's just like it's about um, you know Dick Jones as the yuppie alpha male who's you know learn his big business practices from reading 
Sun Tzu. Yes, exactly. All in Japanese. Uh, yeah, and and, it, and it's a sort of a dog eat dog thing taken to a to a sort of an extreme. Yeah, um, and just the fact that he's challenged. You know, he, like, I, I really like that scene in the toilets where Bob Morton's coming in and basically mouthing off about Dick Jones being past it. Yeah, and he's and he's on the bog. He's there. And the guy that he's talking to sort of like tucks himself in, yeah. pisses down his own trousers, <laughs> and sort of scuttles out. But the, fact, but the fact that that's a physical confrontation there, and Dick Jones grabs him by the hair mm-hmm. and says, "You just fuck with the wrong guy." Yeah, yeah. it's like like he's a gangster. He's just yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just They're a gangster. All gangsters. Um, like he's no different from Bodica, really. Uh, he's more than happy to very much people. so, very much so. So so we're at a scene now where uh, Robocop, you know. He's he's slowly grabbing his humanity, right? He's finding his free will. This is the whole journey of his, right? He's he's, he's letting go of the machine and finding the humanity in him. Um, uh, and he he starts, you know, he's at the end of level boss now. Really, he's going off to see Dick Jones, um, you know, after a clash with Ed Two Hundred Nine and what have you, and the police all firing at him. And he's slowly fragmenting away, right? This is where the, the helmet shatters and you see the eyeball. You see. Murphy's eye looks straight at you, you know, the human behind it. Um, well, this, and that's where the other directive comes in, isn't it? That's where he discovers that he is, he can't. Yes. Because Dick Jones is no CP employee. Yeah, so, he so, can't take So Dick Jones it. grabs um, the old guy, what's it, the, what do they call him? Well, this is in the book, this is the, the, like the old man. The old man. Oh, the old okay. man. So, so this, is, this is later. Mm. Right before this, Robocop's gone to confront Dick Jones, and that's when the Ed Two O Nine comes out. Oh right, fired. yes, yes, yes. And he basically gets sort of like he gets the shit kicked. He out He gets of the him. shit kicked out of him. And then that's when all the cops are in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep, and yep. Lewis turns up and basically, you know, yeah, she saves him with the, with the baby food, and then yeah, right. yeah. And then he's and then he when he returns to the to the to the boardroom. And Dick Jones is there. He's got all this evidence, right, to show. You know, he's he's playing up on the screens. Right. Like, look, he's in he's in with all the gangs. He's yeah. a piece of art. He's, he's an asshole. And yeah. this is in front of the old man, right, the the chairman of OCP. Who's this? Um, who again? I think almost mirrors. You know, we're, we're going back to the Reagan era. This clueless, powerful man, a bit like Reagan. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. oh, I don't know. You know, yeah. You know, it's all these other people behind me that are pulling all the strings. Um, but he is kind of, you know, I suppose, unlike Reagan, he has got like a, a moral ethic, at least. Yeah, right? I don't know. He I, does see right from wrong. I, I, don't, I just think he's a slightly untethered from what yeah, OCP just, is actually doing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just a doddering old guy mm. detached from reality, right? So he's not necessarily, a, he's not evil in the same mm. way that Dick Jones is evil. No. Or at least he's not played like that. But he is evil in the sense that, he just doesn't want to know yeah. all the bad shit that's <laughs> I going on. I suppose there's evil in that, right? So and yeah, so I mean, like that that whole that the whole scene where Kitty gets shot at with the two and nine, and he says, "I'm very disappointed, Dick." You know, it's like you've just seen a guy get yeah. torn <laughs> apart, and uh, and actually, it's just like this is going to look very bad. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's still a bit of a cut himself, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was great. Yeah. So so Dick Jones grabs him. You know, threatens to to sh- to shoot the old man. Yeah. And then that's when you know so so. Robocop's got his uh, Google glasses flashing in front <laughs> yeah. of him, saying, yeah. "Oh, another prophecy, which uh, yeah. we're hoping we'll see." Um, say, let uh, Prime Director Number Four is kicking in. You c- you cannot apprehend or kill any OCP um, em- employee, and that's when No Man says, "Dick, you're fired." Yeah, and he says, "Thank you," and then shoots him. Shoots him several times. Several times through the window, and that's when we see the. Uh, we talked about this. Yeah, the long arms. The weird long the arms. The weird yeah. long arms. Yeah, 
I mean, you know, what is that? Is that just an artifact of the way that it was cut out on a green well, screen? Well, I looked or? into this. I did a bit more delving into this. Like, why the fuck the long arms? And first of all, they were, you know, it was a puppet. You know, they, they, couldn't, yeah. they couldn't even afford right. any green screen or blue screen. They, they, you know, I don't know why they just, yeah, they wouldn't, even, I don't know, yeah, they couldn't even shoot um, the Dick Jones actor, uh, uh, Ronnie Cox, um, you know, on a plinth maybe and just wiggling his arms and legs and zooming out of him. But then yeah. again, they'll need a, a, a blue screen. Um, yeah. So they, they made a puppet. They did a stop motion. A lot of it was stop motion in there, yeah. with Ed 209 yeah. especially. Um, so they did a puppet of Dick Jones and his arms are a bit long. But yeah. the, the creator said, no, it's not his arms. We did his arms perfectly. You know, we know how to fucking build a dude. Yeah. It was a wide angle lens we had. So it starts off, yeah. stretches the edges and then when he comes, no, no. Because then mm. we looked, we, we, we delved deeper and you can see the mould where they made the puppet from. Yeah. Oh, fuck, he looks like Mr Tickle. He's got long arms. Yeah, he has got long arms. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was, maybe uh, if it, if there'd been more towards the camera and there was a bit more foreshortening, you wouldn't have noticed it. But it is distracting. It is. Now, it's okay, distracting. It's, it's distracting, it's, but we love it, right? Would yeah. you, now, with the technology we have now, would you clean up and the effects to, to make him short of arms don't make Ed 209 stop motion, actually make him proper. Uh, just that, okay, we'll just clean that up. No, Maybe some of the backgrounds. Would you do any of that no, to make it, you know, perfect visually? I don't think so. Or would so. that lose some of the charm? Yeah, I think so. Like, I, like, we I need think, the long arms, right? I think so, because I think it's like pretty ageless the way it is now. Everything is of its time and it works. I think yes. Like, look at look at what George Lucas did with the Star Wars Oh, movies. God, yeah, you're right. By, attempt, by attempting to kind of like modernise some of the effects that he felt a bit embarrassed about looking back on. Or adding new scenes even worse. Mm. He just fucked it up. I mean, he just broke the, you know, he broke the the, the charm of, uh, you know, the, the integrity of the original movie in lots of different ways. So yeah, I don't think you, I don't think you want to go. You don't want to go. You don't want to tinker with that at all. Yeah, like coming back to that sort of the twenty whatever it was sixteen was it twenty sixteen twenty seventeen the remake. remake of it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's obviously you know like heavily CG'd and there's there's quite a lot of stuff in there. It's it's done pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it already like I watched it um, before watching um, the Verhoeven RoboCop, and it already sort of feels like a slightly aged movie in a way that RoboCop just doesn't mm. to, to me anyway. Um, even in a few years, like it's you know it's quite it's quite joyless and there's no none of the humour or anything like that, and they've gone for a different angle on it. Um, but it but it all feels somehow stylistically older or like yeah. you know if, like i noticed the gap in in my my sort of taste between uh what that film was representing and 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 yet robocop never has really aged to me no it's uh it was ahead of its time when it came out in regards to 80s tropes movies you know which was all you know yeah, yeah. the arnie's and, and sylvester stallone's at the time it was it was poking fun at that as well you know it was a statistical yeah, view not just a corporate uh, business life and society, but also the the 80s action genre, yeah. um, and uh, you know the the over outlandish gore he put on screen, and the, and, and and I suppose the sleaze is part of his, his trademark anyway. If we look at his other creations, but um, I think we're coming to an end here, and I think we're I think you like the film, Steve. I do love the film. It's genuinely <laughs> it's genuinely one of my favourite films, and like I will always watch it. I'm looking forward to showing yeah. it. With my son, eventually. Yeah, eventually. When he yeah. could, uh, well, I don't know what would be the most well the, hard scene to watch of your son. Would it be the the crucifixion at the beginning? Or yeah, would the violence be... is still pretty brutal. There's some, 
there's some sort of language that uh, I don't yeah. think kids are quite ready yeah, for. Yeah, and the coke definitely. and the whores and yeah. the, all of that quite stuff. Adult. It's still quite adult. And, you know, the violence is still pretty visceral and yeah. nasty. You know, Murphy's death scene, the, I'm less bothered about the stuff that's played for laughs, like mm. like the way Emil gets it at the end, like the, the, the vat of acid where he gets splattered away yeah. in the car. It's a big moment in the cinema, you know, it's a great moment in the cinema, but actually that's just funny, like... I'm not worried about that. I do think Murphy's death scene is the bit that would be the most difficult yeah, for the difficult to the swallow. kids to watch. Because yeah. it's emotional, it's powerful. Yeah. Um, but fucking great. Um, mm. And to go back full circle, going back to you, Steve, uh, and how you got involved in Cuts. This is one of the first movies you came to see at Cuts, right? It is. It's actually the second one. I came to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Fantastic. And then I brought a bunch of the Rebellion crowd down. Uh, this was in the cellar, wasn't it? Yeah. And... Uh, my mate Mark got shit-faced before the first like reel of the film good was stuff. through. Good stuff. And he was staggering around, hugging everybody at the end, and he had the best night of his life. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that's what, great. We, yeah, that's no, what no. we do at Cuts. And, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it went down a treat at our cinema. Um, I was shocked to know that some people had, hadn't watched Robocop before, but, uh, hey, I'm an, old, I'm an old fucker now, so yeah, uh, I shouldn't be surprised yeah. about that. Um, okay, Robocop. If you haven't already seen it, I'm sure you have. You need, I don't know. We've fucking spoiled the fuck out of the film for you, but you might enjoy it now, um, in retrospect. <laughs> but um, I'm sure you've seen it already, and now I'm sure you're eager to go and watch it again. I'm going to watch it again, completely naked, and enjoy myself. Uh, Steve, would you like to say anything to the listeners out there? Well, I'll come and watch it with you. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, we could spoon each other. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yes, and I've got I'll a glass coffee table spoon. for some other things. Um, yeah. well, well, let's do a little. Uh, this this uh, this this program contains spoilers for the 1987 <laughs> film uh, Robocop by <laughs> yeah. Paul Verhoeven. Fantastic. And I'll stick it in at the front of the scene. Awesome. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. and and as uh, we, we we found uh, a job for Steve and. Um, He's our podcast guy. He's going to be the he's going to be doing the editing. So, Steve, at this point, I want you to find a soundbite that represents you in its purest form and place it right here. You probably don't think I'm a very nice guy, do you, buddy? I think you're slime. <laughs> well, that was a fantastic one. Thank, um, you. thank you so much, Steve. Um, hope you enjoyed your uh, your virgin uh, experience of the podcast. I did very much. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, please subscribe and like and all that bollocks that I'm supposed to say. And uh, yes, we'll be dropping another podcast soon. And soon we'll be opening our doors to our cinema as well. Thank you so much. Bitches, leave. I think I'll cut that bit up now. Well,